Father, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that you are blessing your people. I thank you, Lord, for each person here tonight. We believe that our minds are in sync with your Holy Spirit, that you will allow us to hear, to receive, to understand, to be edified, to be encouraged, to be strengthened, to be blessed, so that we know how to work with you to advance your kingdom. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Last time we got to the point in, in the book to chapter 5 about breaking strongholds. So we're going to pick up there briefly and then move forward from that about breaking spiritual strongholds. Over the years, I've had the privilege to be in a number of different foreign countries, over 30 of them actually. And in most of them, they have a more of a warfare mentality, and I'm talking about Christians, than we do per se in this country. Reason being is because most of the uh, political scenes and the way of doing things in those countries are not Christian-oriented. And it's, a lot of it has to do with witchcraft and a lot of those type of things. And so the people are very used to spiritual entities. If you talked about the devil or something like that, they would know what you were talking about by and large because they deal with that on a regular basis. And uh, so when we talk about, however, spiritual warfare in the United States, our, our society is so secular that unless you are talking to a Christian that has had that upbringing in a church environment, most of them don't know what you're talking about. In fact, about 10 years ago, Barna did a survey, and that's at the front of this book, where about 59% of the people interviewed, and he interviewed over 1,000, said that they did not believe that Satan was a real personal being, that that was just an idea for all the bad things going on. But when asked another question at the same interview to the same people, 64% of them said they believed that, that demons or Satan could attack them. So that's totally inconsistent. If you hold one viewpoint, it doesn't make sense to hold the other one. And yet, that tells us that there's lots of confusion on this. Now, spiritual warfare is an everyday occurrence to every one of us. If you are a committed Christian, you are under spiritual attack every day of your life. Just like your physical body is under attack every day. There are viruses around everywhere. There's bacterium around everywhere. And you, your body is under attack every day. But God knew it would be that way since the fall. And so what he has done is he gives you an immune system. And your immune system, if you keep take good care of it and keep it built up strong, it'll fight off most of those bacterium and viruses and you won't even know what's going on. You're just staying healthy. But what has happened, it's under attack 
but the body has the internal strength and the ability to fight it off and overcome it so that you can stay alive and stay healthy. Spiritual immunity comes from within. Spiritual life of God on the inside of us. And so that spiritual immunity there should build us up through the Word of God, through prayer, through lots of things that God has already given us in His Word. Through those things, our spiritual immunity is built up. But there are some things that can tear down your spiritual immunity just like there are things that can tear down your physical immunity to viruses and bacteria. There are things that can tear it down. And when those things occur, then strongholds open doors, strongholds develop that allows those further into our life. And lots of times, strongholds are built or doors are open in our life that we are not aware of it happening because we're not conscious of it. Right? We're not conscious of that thing happening. And as a result of it, then the devil gets a strong hold in some area of your life, be it the body, the mind, the soul, whatever, family. He can get a strong hold there because there was an open door where your spiritual immunity was depressed and he comes in and he gets a strong hold. Now, as we said before, having a stronghold in a person's life does not mean that the person isn't born again. doesn't mean that. It simply means there's an area that's open, there's a door that's open that that enemy can get a stronghold there. Just if you get sick with a virus, it doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. It just means something, there's a door somewhere, there's depressed immunity somewhere that is allowing that thing into your life. All right? Same thing works on the spiritual side of the issue as well. So the scripture is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 6. And if you've got a book, it's on page 40. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. I want to point out a couple of things and then we move on. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. See, God has given spiritual weapons to deal with a spirit entity. We said last time, uh, you know, technology will not cast out demons. On some occasions, there may be an open door to some. I'm convinced from time to time that my computer is demonized. Because it doesn't do what I tell it to do. Or it doesn't do what I, I think I want it to do. You know, I want one. I want them to build one that knows what I want it to do, and it'll just go ahead and do it. Okay, that's what I'm waiting for, and I don't think it's happened yet. But at any rate, you can't use physical things to f- overcome a spiritual entity. It takes spiritual power, spiritual weapons. They are mighty in God to pull down strongholds. 
Now, some of the things that those spiritual weapons are, number one, is the Word of God. That's the first. That's the first, is the Word of God. Secondly, the anointing or power of the Holy Spirit will enable us to overcome strongholds. Obedience to the known will of God is a power that will overcome strongholds. And the list could go on beyond that. So he said, you're casting down arguments or ideas and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Those are things that we're dealing with when we are breaking a stronghold that the devil has in any person's life. Now, our belief system is very, very important. I want to refer to something else in one of my other little books that I haven't mentioned to you about getting for this class. But it's, talk, it's about how to live out of your spirit. Is that little book? And I want us to see something about identity. What you and I identify with will control our life if we allow it. Let me illustrate that. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as an overcomer? Do you see yourself defeated, discouraged, helpless, hopeless, worthless? If you see yourselves in any of those negative fashions, and yet you are a believer, you have just opened the door to the enemy to develop a stronghold in that area of your life. Perhaps you were raised in a home where they said, you're no good, you're worthless, you're never going to amount to anything. And if you believe that, you will act accordingly. You will. And you'll have an idea about how things are or should be or will be in your life that will be a ceiling beyond which you'll have difficult breaking through. Inferiority, insecurity, sense or of unworthiness, all of those things become strongholds. It's because of how we see or identify our life. You understand where I'm going with this, okay? So it's very, very important, our identity. If we want to break strongholds, we have to see ourselves as Scripture says we are in Christ, not as we may feel or we may have been told. Because a lot of times our feelings aren't reliable. And a lot of times what people say is not reliable or at least not biblical in the sense of the promises of God. So how do we see ourselves? And to get those, some of those strongholds broken, we're going to have to change that. That's why scripture talks about renewing our mind that we may prove the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. And Ephesians chapter 4.23 says, and be renewed in the spirit or the attitude of your mind to break through 
the strongholds that happen. Now, we don't know what reality is apart from the Bible. We really don't. The world system will tell us that this is real. Something is real. This is factual. It's, it's reality. At best, it's only partial reality. At worst, it may be totally a lie. But at best, it can only be partial reality. Because even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, we know in part and we prophesy in part. At best, it's only in part. So if you're going to know true reality, you're going to have to see it from a biblical perspective. Because God is the only one that knows what total reality really is. Now, someday you and I are going to know more about it than we do now. But He's the only one that does know what it is. So we need to realize that, lest we be, again, held down by our identity and by the strongholds that develop in us. Because of our faulty perceptions, we have often accepted as fact the experiences, ideas, and belief of others. By doing so, we're making an internal agreement with that thought or idea. Agreements we make bind us to that agreement and the power behind it. Now, let me read those two statements to us again. It'll help us. By, we are often bound to the ideas and beliefs of others, and by doing so, we're making an internal agreement with that thought or idea. Agreements we make bind us to that agreement and the power behind it. Somebody says, a parent says to a child, a, a sibling says to another uh, family member, you are no good. Your mama was no good and you're never going to be any good. And the child grows up believing that. And if he believes it, he has made an agreement with that idea. Now, can children be raised up and have bad agreements? Yes, they can, even though they've never been told things like that. Circumstances, difficulties may have caused them to believe certain things. That other people may achieve success in life, but they won't because they don't have the advantages that that other person had. And so they'll grow up believing that. And that belief is an internal belief that will put their success in life here when it could be up here. All right? It's a strong... Beliefs and agreements are strongholds. Do a little experiment. How many, and I'm not asking you to raise your hand on this. I just want you to think. How many of you have had a thought when you've heard something that you're unsure of, but you actually began to believe that thought? Illustration. I remember a situation when a person gave me a prophetic word that told me on such and such a year I would be in a foreign country and I would be killed as a martyr. Okay? 
My initial reaction to that was, no, I'd refuse that. I'd refuse that. I'm not going, to, I'm not believing that. I'm not going to do that. I, I may be in that country, but I'm not going to die as a martyr in that country. I'm going to live my life out to I fulfill the calling and the reason for my existence, and then when I get the job done, I'm going home home to God. All right? That's how I confronted that prophecy. But, but you know, Mr. Devil, demons, I remember one night I was having trouble going to sleep, and I couldn't, because I don't never have trouble going to sleep. I, it takes me about 30 to 45 seconds to go to sleep. I tell my wife all the time, I got a switch right here. And once I reach back there and go, I'm going to sleep. And she had never found that switch yet. I don't know what her problem is, but I can just go to sleep and I'm gone. But I had trouble going to sleep this night. And it was as if there was a whole bunch of demons saying, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to have your life cut short. What in the world, where is that coming from? So again, I reiterated, even out loud, I will not die. I will live and proclaim the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living all the days of my life until I get the job done and then I'm going home. Now, if I had agreed to the prophetic word, if I had believed it and agreed with it, or if I had agreed to these demons talking, it would have done some things detrimental in my life. You know, false prophecy won't hurt you if you don't believe it. Something that you, don't, you know is wrong and you don't believe, it won't hurt you. It's when you believe when it's wrong and you believe it, then it can hurt you. But as long as you don't believe it, you just cast it out. It doesn't become a part of your psyche, a part of your belief system. It's not going to hurt you. I uh, have often said this. You know, a lot of people are afraid to be in a graveyard, or particularly at night. I have absolutely no fear of that whatsoever. None. Zero. Zip. Because I learned a long time ago, they can't hurt you. They're dead. Dead people can't hurt you. It's the living ones that can hurt you. So why should I be afraid of what's in a graveyard? That's, that's meaningless. But you know what? If you believe it, there's something scary out there. If you believe it, then you probably will hurt yourself running. Or expect you, oh, I wonder what's going to jump out at me behind that gravestone. Probably a bug. You know, go on. It's meaningless. But it, if you agree with these certain things that happen, then it sets a limitation on what you can accomplish in life. And it becomes a stronghold. One scripture, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, noble, just, pure, lovely, of good report, Virtuous, and if anything is praiseworthy, meditate on these things. When we do that, what are you doing? You're removing the limitations 
on your life and what you can become and do. In other words, you're pulling the ground out from under the strongholds that Satan would try to use in your life. You're pulling the ground right out from under a stronghold that the enemy would try to use in your life. So, well, is it possible to be raised and live in this country without having some strongholds? Probably very unlikely. I suspect that all of us have got some strongholds, some areas where our spiritual immunity is depressed, where there's been an open door because of false beliefs that have limited us to being and doing all that God would have us to do. So what we need to do, we need to destroy those strongholds. And on page 41, there's three encounters with a stronghold. The first is a truth encounter. What is the truth? Casting down arguments, the scripture said that we just read, and imaginations relates to determining what is true from what is untrue. If it is untrue, we're casting it down. We're going to get it out of the way. We're not going to believe that anymore. We're going to believe what is truth. And Jesus tells us what truth is. John 17 says, my word is truth. My word. Jesus said, my word is truth. So how does it align this thing, that this argument, this idea, how does it align with truth? I was never told by my parents that I was no good, worthless. I was never told anything like that. But I was, I was raised in a royal I own a farm, a very poor parents were sharecroppers. And there was that idea that because we were poor, we could never accomplish anything. Other people may, but we probably wouldn't. I mean, that was just the way it was. And so you develop a mentality of that. You start thinking like that. You start, in fact, I, I, I couldn't read when I was in the sixth grade. I don't know if the teachers were that, they were responsible for that, or part of it was me, or a combination of both, probably both. But when I was in the sixth grade, I read like a kindergartner. C, Jip, and Jerry run down the hill. Sixth grade. Do you know what they did in the sixth grade? They started letting us go to the library and check out books. We didn't have very many books at home. We had several Bibles, but that was about it. So I remember going to the library as a sixth grader, and I liked basketball and baseball and stuff like that. And I checked out a book about basketball. I took it home. You're allowed to check it out for two weeks, and if you hadn't, didn't get it read, you had to bring it out back and recheck it out. So I, I read about a chapter in two weeks. I checked it out. I, I think I checked it out four times in a row for two weeks each until I finally got the book read. And I liked that. So I checked out another one. I checked out a, about, a, about a guy named Mickey Mantle who played center field for the New York Yankees. 
And I checked out, it was, it was autobiography. So I checked it out and I read his. And what happened? I taught myself to read by reading. And that changed my perspective on things. I realized I could be almost anything that I wanted to be. There was a whole new dimension out here to this world. It wasn't following two mules across the field someplace. Okay? My point is this. If you, if you are raised in an environment that is depressing, discouraging, holding you down, if you believe that's the end, that's the best, that's all that's ever going to happen, you've got a stronghold there that's going to keep you bound. On the other hand, let's illustrate it another way. We have the Bible full of all type of promises to us. Do you know there are 8,810 promises in the Bible? Satan made six of them so you can discard them. So that means there's 8,804 left. They promise a lot of things. A lot of things are promised. But if you don't believe that it's for you... going to keep you depressed, discouraged, defeated, and from completely doing the will of God. But when you break down the stronghold and you start believing truth encounter, what does the Word of God say about that? What does the Word of God say about that? The doctor says, I'm sorry, there's nothing we can do for you. Go home, set your affairs in order, you're going to be dead in three months or less. Is he telling the truth? Probably. Based on his test and everything he knows, he's probably truthful as far as he knows. The, the good thing is, he doesn't know everything. He's probably a good physician, but there is a great physician that knows everything. And that great physician has made us some promises because of what he did for us on the cross. So now we've got a choice. We're going to believe this report or we're going to believe the truth of the promise of God. So every encounter with a stronghold, you got a truth encounter. What is truth? What did Jesus say about that? What are the promises of God related to that? You got a truth encounter with every stronghold. Secondly, you not only have a truth encounter, you have an allegiance encounter. What do we mean by that? We mean that you have to decide, am I going to be true to Jesus as my Lord and believe His Word above everything else? Or am I going to dilute what He says and, and go this other direction? It's a truth encounter, it's a allegiance encounter, and it third, it's a power encounter. Now, the truth of the Word of God is the greatest power in the universe is God. I mean, that should go without question to in, in all of our theology. God is God. There's no one like Him. Period. So the greatest source of power is God. And every encounter to pull down a stronghold to defeat the devil is a truth, allegiance, and power 
encounter. The power of God overcoming whatever the obstacle, whatever the stronghold is. In dealing with people that are demonized, I have seen over and over again that when the demon is revealed, there is the potential for the power of God to be released to expel him. There is no demon that you will ever encounter that can totally withstand the power of God. Now he can put up a fuss and a fight and he can prolong it to some degree, but he can't stop it. He cannot stop it. I said he cannot stop it. None. He, he might make you spend two hours getting him out, but he can't stop it from happening. So when you go into one of those situations, go into it knowing you have the authority, the anointing of God is sufficient to cast out any demon that you're going to deal with. Why? Because you have the authority of the Word of God. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And every demon spirit that's causing a stronghold there, you can break through that and dispel it and make it go. And you never never approach one of those, well, I hope we can cast the demon out. No, we're not hoping about anything. We're knowing. We're knowing we can do that. Because we've been assigned Jesus' authority. He said in Mark 16, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall be any means hurt you. That, I believe that was in Luke. And then in, in Mark uh, 16, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out demons. They shall expel demons. The disciples. See? So... You, you approach one of these situations when you're facing a personal stronghold or if you're trying to minister deliverance to somebody, you go into it, I know we can get the job done. It's not we might or I hope we can. No, we will. That's a fact. And that thing is under our feet. We have been raised and seated with Jesus Christ at the right hand of the Father. So that's where he's at positionally. That's where we're at. And the authority that he gained through his victory on the cross has been given to us and we have that same authority. So you go into it with that, just realizing that. That stronghold is going. That demon is coming out. Now, we have to have some wisdom on handling spiritual authority. And that's another topic. But I just throw in that statement here. Uh, you know, if you give a shotgun to a, a loaded shotgun to a three-year-old, he may hurt himself or somebody else. All right? And God has given you and me as believers His authority and the privilege to work with Him in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so let's be smarter than a three-year-old with a loaded shotgun. There's principles in the Word of God how you do certain things, which... Maybe we'll have a chance to get into some of those at the end. But um, you have the authority, you have the power. 
John 16, 33, These things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It is the will of God for every believer to be a world overcomer. Every believer. From the youngest to the oldest, no exceptions. It's the will of God for you and me to be a, a, an overcomer over everything. Jesus became it. He gave it to us. 1 John 5, 4 says, This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Take strong faith. Mark three twenty seven again, in the context of strongholds. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds a strong man, and then he will plunder his house. If Satan tries to come into your life and take from you what God has given you, he has to be stronger than you to do that. On the other hand, if you're going into Satan's, when I say Satan, I'm talking about demons. When you're going into Satan's arena, you're going to have to have a stronger force than that. But that's not a problem because you do. You have the authority of the Word of God. You have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So you can go into a strong man's house and expel him through the authority of the name of Jesus. Bind him. Simply when you bind something, you, you limit its activity. That's what you're doing. You're limiting its activity. If somebody comes up here and binds my hands behind my back, they're limiting my activity. I, can, I might move around like this while I'm talking, but I can't do this while I'm talking. They've limited my activity. So when you bind the power of the enemy, you're limiting their activity. In deliverance sessions, I've had demons talk back through the person's voice. Threaten, curse, say all sorts of things. But I read in Scripture where Jesus didn't, on most occasions, Jesus wouldn't let the demons talk because they knew him. And he didn't want those demons and the people messing up God's, the Father's plan. So he wouldn't let them speak. But I've learned you can do the same thing. If you're getting in a case uh, in a deliverance session and the demon and the person starts talking, you can tell them to be quiet and they have to do it. What are you doing? You're binding him. You're limiting what he can do. In this case, not talk. So to, to do that, you have to be stronger, have more anointing than the person there. All right, now, Last week, we also went over the five R's, and I want to just repeat them again before we move on further. Recognize that there's a stronghold or demon power at work. Secondly, repent of anything you may have done that caused an open door. Renounce it. Declare it out loud that you want it out of your life. Fourth, rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And then fifth, replace where that stronghold was or where that demon power was inhabiting, replace it with the Word of God. Once the house has been cleaned out, now we want to fill it up with something good. We always need to do that. Because if you don't, know this, wherever Satan 
inhabited a thing or person and he has been made to leave, invariably he will return to try to reuse that person or thing. Scripture says this in book of Luke, we'll get to it shortly. He's going to come back. He's going to try to come back because he knows that was a good place, at least for a time. So he wants to come back to it. But you've got to fill it up with the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you do that, he can come back, but you can be gone, be gone, and he's gone. So in the next chapter, Jesus is going to teach on evil spirits. Jesus had a fourfold ministry. In Matthew chapter 4, 23, 24, he was preaching, teaching, healing, and casting out demons. He did four things in his ministry. He preached, he taught, he healed sick people, and he cast out demons. Do you know that same ministry has been given to the church? It's been given to us, we who are in the body of Christ, that same fourfold ministry. Evangelical Christians have done a fairly decent job of, of preaching and teaching. But healing, less. And deliverance, way, way less. Way less. Because out of the four, deliverance is kind of messy. kind of messy you have to get your hands dirty basically you have to deal with situations that aren't pleasant sometimes you have to be bold and courageous enough that you're going to take the victory that Jesus won for you and bring it to these people's lives and it's a lot of work it's tiring physically as well as spiritually sometimes. But you and I have been called to it as part of the church. Preach, teach, heal the sick, deliver the demonized, cast them out, expel demons. Luke chapter 11, verse 14 to 23. This is a long passage, but let's read it. As he was casting out a demon... It was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke and the multitudes marveled. Stop there a minute. Sometimes physical sicknesses and illness, disease, are demons in manifestation. Sometimes, not all the time. There are examples where Jesus healed sick people and there was no mention of demons involvement. There are cases just like this where this man had a demon spirit but he, wasn't, he couldn't speak. He was mute. He wasn't dumb. He just couldn't speak because the demon was not allowing him to do so. But when the demon was cast out, then the guy that previously was mute or couldn't speak could now speak. And all the crowd, the religious crowd, scribes, Pharisees, and all those, they were marveled at this. we never seen this happen before. You may run up on a case like that. And it's amazing when you do. It's amazing. 
I have seen demonized people speak foreign languages that they did not know. I mean, just start speaking. Uh, I, and in this little town where I was pastor, I had a, uh, uh, a neighboring town of the pastor there of that particular type church sent one of his members over for me to minister to. He heard about I cast out devils and all that stuff. Since this guy over. This guy had about an eighth grade education. And under demon power, he spoke fluent Koine Greek. The common Greek of the first century. Not classical Greek as we have today, but Koine Greek. The type I had in Bible college and seminary. He could speak it fluently. He didn't know a word of Greek. But under demon power, he could do it. Supernatural. Now that'll get your attention. Okay? Sometimes, I had another case one time where this young girl couldn't talk. Or she had been able to talk for a number of years, but then something happened and she could no longer talk. They took her to the doctor. doctor ran all sorts of tests on her. She could swallow. Her vocal cords were fine. There was no problems, physical problems they could find. Uh, they ran some tests on her mentally. They couldn't find anything wrong. And so finally they brought her to me and, and I told her, I said, well, I think I know what it is. There's a demon there, a.k.a. Luke 11, just like it, that she can't talk. And so we ministered to her. After the first session, she could, she could speak. Still limited, but she could speak. And after about a couple of more sessions, I mean, she talked so much that they said they wished, the parents said they wished she'd shut up some. <laughs> so, what am I saying? You can, you can run up on these cases just like that. And this was a, a mute guy that was demonized and couldn't talk. And then Jesus cast it out. And some of them said... He cast out demons by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Others testing him sought from him a sign from heaven. Now, you know, you can't be moved by what the crowd says. You know, we hear a lot today about fake news. The onlookers were trying to give some fake news to Jesus. Oh, he cast this demon out and this, this mute person begins to speak and they said, why, he's casting out demons by, by the Beelzebub, the prince or the ruler of the demons. Oh, they don't know what they're talking about. That's fake news. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, it's always a good thing when you know more than your accusers do. He knew truth. They were just attacking him. He knew the truth. But he knew their thoughts and he said, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided a house falls. If Satan is also divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? Because you say, I cast out demons by Beelzebub. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? So he had some disciples that were family of some of those people that were saying he was casting out demons by Beelzebub. And he said, if I'm doing it, then guess what? Your children must be doing the same thing. And they all, of course, they weren't going to say anything bad about them. 
I remember a case where I was uh, casting out demons. This was one in the early years after we got started. And uh, the a demon was speaking through this young girl's voice. And I had been declaring scripture about a particular topic. And um, the demon was kind of coming back at me because of it. And, I, and he was saying things like, I don't believe in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not real. And instantly, I like when the Holy Spirit does this. Instantly, a scripture popped in mind from the book of James that says the, 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 the demons believed and trembled. And so I immediately quoted back to that demon talking to her. I said, you do too. Because the scripture says, the demons believed and trembled. And the demon said through her, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I like it when God shows up. If I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Deliverance ministry is advancing the kingdom of God. One person at a time. You're advancing the kingdom of God. Every time a person gets born again, the kingdom of God has got another citizen. Every time... A person gets taught the Word of God either through preaching, teaching, or a life experience or relationship with someone. The kingdom of God is advancing. Every time a sick person gets healed, the kingdom of God is advancing. Every time a demonized person gets delivered, the kingdom of God is advancing. That's good news. Jesus' fourfold ministry, preach, teach, heal, cast out demons, advances the kingdom of God every time you see one of those things happen. Now, Luke chapter 11, verse 24 to 26, which I alluded to last time as well as tonight. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes to dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he is, finds it swept, put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. What happens to a demon when you cast him out? Well, Scripture says here, Jesus said, he, go, he walks through dry places, which simply means non-productive. It, he's he's in, a, in a condition where he can't maximize his goal, which is to harm more people. He's in a dry place, a non-productive place. You see, demons want people, animals, or objects through which they can operate in di as a disguise. That's why the high places we alluded to in, in, that were set up in, in the Old Testament in various places, that object became a dwelling place for that particular demon and all of his cohorts. Because through it, people would come and they would worship Satan and the God behind that statue. Can, and, and Satan can do the same thing with animals. It's a body. It's a house for him to live in. He can do it with a human body. 
and he can accomplish more that way than he can somewhere out here without a dwelling place. So he walks through dry, unproductive places, seeking rest, a place or thing that he can use, and he doesn't find any, so the first thing he thinks is, okay, I'm going to return to my house from which I came. So he comes back to the place, the object, the person. And when he comes, he finds it swept out and put in order. And that's good. Being swept out and put in order is good for a human life to be. Except it's not filled with something that it needs. It needs the inhabitants or the divine presence of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ. That's why I'm, I'm real cautious when I minister to people anymore. Make sure that when we get them totally delivered, A, Jesus is Lord, and two, they're filled with the Holy Spirit, and that they start putting into their mind and their spirit the promises of the Word of God. Because if they don't, that demon or those demons that we cast out, they're going to come back, and they're not going to have what it takes to stay free because their mind is still in a state of renewal and, and they probably don't know how victorious they really are yet. And so when the enemy comes back and roars at them and makes accusations, they won't know how to handle that. And they'll let the door open and here they'll come worse than ever before. Jesus says several things here. Page 47, 48. But I want to give you a testimony that happened here in Louisville at New Life Church several years ago. It was in the early 80s. We were in the other old part of the building. A lady started coming to church here and after a few services she came up and talked to me and said, I'd like to get an appointment with you about something that's really serious. And I said, okay, so we make the appointment. She shows up and she starts telling me and uh, she says, I think Satan's got a control over me. And after I heard her story, I said, I agree. I think he has. There are demons here. So uh, I told her some things to do to prepare for deliverance. On the day of, she shows up. And I asked her before we started. I had already asked her that the days before, first time we met. But now I repeated it. And I said, okay, you're telling me that you have never been taken through deliverance like this before. She said, absolutely not. Never have. I said, okay. So I took her through deliverance. It took about two hours. And we got her cast out. Got those demons out. She was full of joy and peace when she left. Oh, how great she felt. She just felt so clean and so relieved. About two weeks later, her ex-husband shows up. He hasn't lived in Louisville. He left town, moved somewhere else. And he came back to Louisville. He came to see her. They got into it. The same old junk that caused them to get a divorce, you know, years before, that, that topic was brought up again, and she gets mad, he gets mad, and they say things back and forth and all this. And I get a phone call. When it's all over, I get a phone call. And soon as I answered the phone and recognized who it was, I could tell you precisely what had happened. 
because I could hear the same old words. I could sense the same thing coming through those words through the telephone. And I knew she was demonized again. She said, will you help me? And I said, I will. I said, uh, do I remember correctly that you used to go to such and such a church in town? And she said, yes. I said, okay, um, I'll call you back. So I happened to know the pastor of that church, and so I called him. I said, do you know and this particular lady? He said, oh, yeah, she used to come here. He said, I even took her through deliverance once. I said, you did what? He said, yes, about four or five years ago, I took her through deliverance. I said, if you don't mind telling me, what happened? And he told me what happened. I said, how long was she free? He said, oh, about a month. I said, what happened? She said, he said, she and her husband got in a fuss. I said, what? Exactly the same thing had happened, and she lost it, and it, those things came back. I cast them out. She was free for a couple of weeks. Husband shows up, turmoil develops, the door gets open, except now this time it's at least twice, if not more, worse than it was before. Which is exactly what scripture says. That thing goes out and gets seven more wicked spirits worse than himself and they come back and dwell there and the end of that person is worse than it was before. So be aware. You don't have to be fearful of that. Just be aware to try to get the person in a place where they can receive what you're about to give them. You know, if, if you have something wrong and the doctor is going to operate on you, sometimes they won't because you're not in a shape to stand the operation. The operation might kill you. So they won't do it if that looks like that's a strong possibility. But they try to, if you are weak, they try to build you up before they take you in and cut something out of you. Get you ready for the surgery. Keep that mentality in mind when you're doing deliverance. Know, if, you, if it possible, know what you can know and how to deal with it. How committed is this person to doing what you're about to tell them to do? Because if we get the house clean, we're not going to leave it that way. We're going to try to get the person born again. If they're not, we're going to try to get them full of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to try to get them full of the Word of God as quickly as possible. Because I know from the word and experience, those things that you cast out are going to try to come back. Don't try to. Now, sometimes you don't have time to do that, what I've just told you. Sometimes you don't have time. Sometimes you just have to deal with it immediately. And if that's the case, that's just what you do. You just deal with it. And then... You need to get that individual that just got delivered in close relationship with some people that's going to walk with them and stay in contact with them every day or at least every other day for a period of time till they get them fully committed to Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, and gradually begin to teach them the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word, the Word. The church that you've heard me tell stories about in Ohio County that whole that whole town was demonized. 
basically. Small town, about 500 people. And uh, because they had not had the gospel pre presented there, not complete gospel. They'd had parts of it, but not the complete gospel. And so everybody that got born again, basically we had to take them through deliverance because they had so many strongholds, so much thinking. Zig Ziglar talks about stinking thinking. Everybody that lived in that town had stinking thinking. Their thinking wasn't totally non-biblical. I remember teaching some of the most basic principles from the New Testament. And it would be like, wow, I never heard that before. And even though they may have been in some church situation for some time, they had never heard these things. They didn't know. And so their thinking ability as far as knowing who they were in Christ and all that was way down here when it should be up here. And um, so if you got one of them set free, I mean, you had to stay in contact with them every day encouraging them over and over, giving them scripture, giving them the word on how to handle this, how to do that, how to do that. Now, sometimes a few of them didn't make it, but the majority of them did. But the ones who did, you know, they had to be strong because of the environment in which was in that place. You've heard the old saying, what don't kill you will make you strong. There is a little bit of truth in that. I wouldn't advertise it for everything, but there's a little bit of truth in that in some situations. You know, if you've attacked the devil and he's attacked you and you've been at it and you come out victorious, then you got something that, that will help carry you through the next battle. You begin to believe, yeah, it was a battle, but I came out victorious so I can do it again through Jesus. You know, so... After doing that over and over and over again, we had a nucleus of people that were strong in God. They were strong and uh, they were full of the word and they knew how to pray. And pretty soon it got to be that it, it, it didn't take as much out of me to deal with some of the circumstances in some of their families because they were strong enough now, they could do it themselves. Thank you, Jesus. That's really the way it needs to get to be. That they can do it themselves. Because every believer can be victorious. It doesn't take a special person or a, a, a something like that. Every believer can be victorious through Jesus Christ and a relationship with Him. So we want to deal with any stronghold, any open door, any goofy thinking, renewing our mind with the Word of God. Renew it, renew it, renew it, renew it. And even after you've been doing that for years, every once in a while you'll still find a squirrely thought here and there. You will. So I remember thinking not too long ago about something and I said something based on this situation that I was thinking about. And I thought, well, now that's ridiculous for me to say that. That's just absolutely, I know better than that. That's just crazy. You know, I should be saying that. And I've been a Christian since I was nine years old. I've been aggressively studying the Word of God since I was 16, 17 years old. And I thought, 
that shouldn't, I have, shouldn't have that thought. You know. And uh, so what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to discard it, and I'm going to replace it with truth. I'm going to discard that thought. I'm going to replace it with the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about that situation? So all of us have those moments. And it's not unusual if that happens. It's just being on planet Earth today and having things to deal with today. But we can keep working on those things. You ever been at a situation when you thought, I don't know what to do? Mavis has never been there. I've been there several times. I don't know what to do. What, what direction should I go? You know, Jesus is as close to you in that situation as your next breath. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. All you have to do is call on him. He lives in you. You don't have to send your prayer off to the sides of the north to a planet called heaven and then wait for it to come back, you know, so many light years away back. He's right here. Jesus, what should I do? What should I do about that? And if you listen carefully, you'll probably hear the whisper of his voice. And he'll tell you something. I like it when God does things like that. I like that. This past Monday, I'm a member of a missions organization on the board and this past Monday afternoon and evening, we had our board meeting at Kentucky Lake. And so I'm driving. And I always pray when I get in a car to make a trip like that, I declare the promises of Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge, my fortress, my God. In Him will I trust, and so on and so on. I do that all the time. I'm getting on the Waterson Expressway. And I'm going 55, 60 miles an hour. And suddenly the thought, there's where um, the other highway, what is it, 64, that merges on to the Waterson going west, right there where that merge is, that's where they're working on the road and some of the lanes are cut down. And I'm in the right-hand most part of the lane before that other lane comes into it. And I see this car coming merging on and uh, didn't think anything about it but just right before we got equal with each other the thought came watch him he's going to pull over to you into your lane and about a second later I mean he didn't put his blinker on it was like I was in his blind spot and he didn't see me he is but had not I been prepared I already had my foot on the brake nothing happened about a hundred miles down the WK Parkway same thing happened I passed a car who was behind a truck and as I got up even with this car he's going to pull into you so I got on the gas and got over and he right in behind me I mean couldn't have missed me over a matter of inches thank you Holy Spirit 
Thank you, Holy Spirit. I'm glad I know his voice. I'm glad to know his voice. He kept me from two accidents going that direction. If we know his voice, we'll know how to handle situations that happen. See, Jesus said something about my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You're his sheep. Cultivate hearing his voice so that the things he has promised can come to pass. Father, I thank you for every person here tonight. Every man, every woman here, we believe, Lord, that you're teaching us how to handle certain situations in dealing with the devil. That you're teaching us how to be an overcomer in everyday circumstances in life. Lord, we declare the victory that you gave us is appropriated by faith in every situation. We pray that. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. Now we got a few minutes, so let's take some questions or comments that you may have. But as always, um, come and make it to the microphone so that it can be recorded and for future use. Okay? Come right ahead. Good evening, Pastor Carroll. Good evening, good life, new life. Uh, first, that little that car on the water, that wasn't a little red Mazda, was it? No, I believe it was okay. a uh, uh, Impala. Okay. All right, uh, can, I, can I use a, a what if, a hypothetical? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Uh, a, a Christian, any one of us here tonight, a, a Christian who is uh, confronted with a person who has been demonized, and we are going to attempt to be the vessel that God uses to cast out the demon, we're successful at it. Or shall I say, God is successful at it. But because we're humans, we, we get this feeling of, of accomplishment and our adrenaline is flowing and our heart rate gets going and we feel like rejoicing. Mm-hmm. And of course, there's other people there. Where, where is the balance that we don't let our own vanity in what has just occurred become our own stronghold? and give the glory to God where it needs to be? Yep. Good question. Good question. It's an area that all of us need to deal with. And that is we need to stay humble and realize it's God who does the work. We're just the hands or the vessel that he may use on that occasion. Really, it's the the authority of, of Jesus, the word of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Jesus talked about if, if I with the finger of God cast out demons. I think that's in Matthew where he said that. With the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the finger of God a the, being the Holy Spirit. Uh, so it's, it's really not us. It's him working through us. When Jesus said to the disciples, go heal the sick. He knew they couldn't heal a gnat's eyeball. I'm talking about they in themselves. They couldn't do anything. In fact, Jesus said in, in, in uh, John uh, 15, he said, unless you're connected to me, you can do nothing. And even Jesus said in his own ministry, I can't do anything of myself, but just what I see the Father do. See, so we have to realize that, that if God uses us, we got nothing to brag about. We just got someone to brag about Jesus. Remember that the time when Jesus took his triumphal entry into Jerusalem riding on a donkey 
And the people put palm leaves in the path because they knew they were recognizing the king was coming. Can you imagine how facetious it would be if the donkey thought, all of that is for me. Yeah, that's right. Don't be a donkey. If God uses you, hey, folks, it's not you, it's God. Now, you had to be a yielded vessel, for sure. But the actual accomplishment was God doing something. So it's not, it's not complete. The cycle, the circle is not complete until he gets the glory for whatever was accomplished. Good question, though. Anybody else got a question or comment? Yes, Steve, can you come and we'll get it recorded? When, when you experience a person that is so demonized that they cannot be saved, they cannot listen to the gospel, what do you do in that case? Can you cast it out or bind it or whatever? Right. My experience and the applications that I've made in that, and that's also a very good question, has been that if that case is that severe and that person is so bound up that they can't even hear and comprehend, then what I have done is I get somebody, maybe two, three people join with me and we take some time fasting and praying several days and then go back again and see if we can make headway. I had, I, and this is in the early days, I had one case where I think it took us about two weeks of trying to minister to him at, uh, every day. And first time you would sit there and he, this guy would be so demonized, he wouldn't hear a thing you said. I mean, he was literally like he was in a trance. And when he would come out of it, he could hear perfectly, he could talk, he could carry on conversation, he could do things. But when that demon had a control of him, he couldn't hear, he couldn't respond. So we fasted, we prayed, we fasted, we prayed, we fasted, we prayed, we came back, tried it day after day, and gradually we saw the thing kind of loosening up. And I shortened the story up. After about two, two and a half weeks, we got to the place where we could cast it out of him. He was conscious enough to cooperate with us and we could get him out but uh, I actually had one one time where the demon spoke up and said I'm not releasing my hold I'm going to take his life and he said that through the voice of the guy that it was in so uh, we re rebuked we cast out a whole bunch of demons out of him I don't know about two dozen and we knew we didn't have him set free. But he was free enough, he, had a, he could exercise his will a little bit. He was free enough to exercise his will. And so when he came kind of out of that stage uh, where he, his mind was back thinking, I said to him, do you remember what you said a while ago? He didn't remember anything that was said that we had said or the demon had said to us through him. He absolutely did not know that. It was as if he was asleep 
or paralyzed or something. He didn't know a thing. So I told him, I said, well, one thing that was said that you need to know is that demon through you said he was going to take your life. And he actually gave a, a time period in which it was going to happen. I said, do you believe that? He said, no, I don't want that to happen. I mean, he was free enough. He could exercise his will a little bit. And I um, said, okay, then here's what we got to do. That person, however, we didn't have to minister deliverance to him anymore because he got a hold of the word enough and started really reading and declaring what the word said that he got himself free. He got himself free, and we didn't have to minister deliverance to him anymore. See, when you repent deeply enough and get so filled and you obey and act on the Word of God, if there is something there, a lot of times you can get yourself delivered without having help. So, I mean, it was a pretty severe case to begin with, but when he finally kind of kicked in gear with us, he took it the rest of the way, and that guy today is in the ministry in another state doing a great job. I'm friends with him on Facebook. I, I, we contact each other just about every day and share things back and forth. Talked to him this morning, actually. Hallelujah to God. I get excited about something like that. You know. So that, that's a real problem. But I, I would say get somebody to fast and pray with you. You know. One can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight, scripture says. Joint. Anybody else? Questions? Yeah. Rob? Yeah, so I uh my my question was on fasting and uh so you uh kinda expounded through your uh, couple testimonies there. So say you go into a session at what point do you go, hey, it's time to, like the disciples said, why can't we deliver this guy or gal, this mm -hmm. person? At, at what point, I mean, is it a revelation of the Holy Spirit? Because I know, like in my experience, uh, usually even before the deliverance or some event like that that you've got to deal with demons, sometimes the Holy Spirit or it puts me on a fast so mm -hmm. that when the encounter happens, he's like, this is why I have you fasting. Right, exactly. So, but, but is there, you know, a, okay, two hours, let's pack it up and get fasting and, and then come back and hit this hard. What's, what's your thoughts mm -hmm. on that? If, if we've been going at it for a while and we're not getting anywhere, uh, on a lot of occasions, I've just called a halt to it, said, okay, just take a break here. And I'd like to get off by myself and pray without distractions or anybody else's input and see if I can hear from the Holy Spirit. If he's saying, okay, fast and pray for two or three days and then come back again. Or sometimes he'll give me a word of knowledge about something related to that person. And I like it when that happens. Because when that happens, what that is, that just gave me the key to the front door. That gave me the key to the front door. 
I can now, I've got something that I know is truthful. Now, in this book, I'm, and I'll tell you an actual event like that. And it's actually in that book later on. We were pastoring in Paris, Tennessee. And you, some of you ladies remember Women's Aglow Fellowship. They had one there. And uh, there was a Saturday morning Women's Aglow meeting. They had a guest speaker. And uh, after that was over, they were having ministry time. And a young girl of about 18, 19 years old came forward to be prayed for. When they started praying for, demons started acting up. Uh, this girl came off and on to our church some. I did not know her well, but I knew her, who she was. And uh, demons started acting up, so they weren't getting anywhere, so they dismissed the service. The speaker, two other officers in the Women's Aglow, went to another lady's house for lunch. The house they went to, that lady was a member of our church, a very godly woman. So they invited this young girl to go with them, thinking that after lunch they would pray with her in a private setting, which is a great idea, by the way. And uh, so they started praying for that girl again. And these demons really acted up. I mean, she, they were ferocious. So the lady in whose house they were called me. Said, Pastor, can you come over to my house? We got this thing going on. Can you come help us? I said, sure, I'll be right there. So I go in down there, and I just kind of observed a little bit to, to begin with, just kind of see what was going on. Where can I step in here? And so we started praying and rebuking along with those other ladies. And uh, we still weren't getting anywhere. So I backed out, and I said, you guys keep on. I need to pray some. So I go over to the other side of the room. So Lord, show me. What's the key to this situation? What do I need to do? About that quick. I had a vision. I saw a mobile home that had, was two colors of blue. Light blue here, dark blue on the bottom. I saw myself going through the front door, turning left. There was the kitchen. There was the living room. You turn left, go down the hallway. There's a bedroom there. There's a bedroom in the back. I saw the house number on the outside of the mobile home. It was a Thursday afternoon. It was 3.30 in the afternoon, and she and her boyfriend were in the back bedroom. It happened that quick. So I said to her, I called her name. I said, I see you on a Thursday afternoon, 3.30 in the afternoon, in a two-tone trailer. You walk down the hallway. There's a back bedroom, and you and your boyfriend are back there committing adultery. Who told you that? And I said, the Holy Spirit did. Now, demon, you don't have a choice. I know you. I know how you got in. I know what's going on. Out. That same quick, it's gone. She came back and kind of shook her eyes. And I called her by name. I said, okay, now listen to me. You got to repent right now for this. And I mean, she did. She repented really good and uh, shortened the story up. She ended up marrying the guy, and he got right with God. And I think they ended up having three or four kids. So uh, 
My point is, I like it when the Holy Spirit shows up and does something like that. We could have been there for hours trying to figure out what we're dealing with, but see, the Holy Spirit, He knows what we're dealing with. And He can take you and just give you just a little piece. That's why it's called a word of knowledge. It's just a fragment of God's overall knowledge, but it's enough to get you the right key for that lock. And just that little bit will work for somebody's life. And God can do that in deliverance just like He can do it in anything else. 